Heading out for a night on the town and don't want to drive, or you're out late and been drinking, well, problem solved. Download the Fair app. Fair is the new premier rideshare company in the city of Austin. With the exit of Uber and Lyft, Fair has come in and filled the void, providing safe, inexpensive, quick rides to everyone. Use code FPATX for 10% off your rides. Once again, that's Fair, F A R E, and use code FPATX for 10% off your rides. Stay safe, and as always, stay fresh. What up, Austin, the world? You're rocking with Fresh on another episode of FPATX Live. Give y'all a quick rundown. Last episode, we had Austin rapper Junior on here. He sat down. We sat down and talked about his newly released project, Ralph Junior. That seems to be getting a, a good reception out there. Um, some quick news. It was reported that Austin's crime rate has dropped while its suburban areas like Flugerville, Round Rock, and such, their crime rate has risen. Not by much, but it is. it has risen. Also, these goddamn clowns. I'm tired of hearing about these clowns. I don't know why it started. I don't know who started. That shit is promo for the movie. But Confusions is in the studio. I got it. But I'm tired of hearing about it. I did see that um, a 17-year-old boy in Maynard was arrested for, I guess, making the threats that the clowns were coming to do harm at certain schools or whatever have you. I work with kids, and that's all I hear all day is that the clowns are coming. They're scared to go to school on Friday because they think that the kid, the clowns are really going to be there. I had a little girl cry her eyes out because she said she saw a clown outside on the playground and it was coming for her. And so I don't know what white folks is out there doing this, but cut it. Cut the shit, man. Just cut the shit, man. It's just like the shit not cool. The shit not. The shit's just really not funny. And if it's promo for the movie, it. When the hell does that movie even come out? Like. Like, man, just stop it, bro. Just stop it. Just, like, the shit just, I don't even see the pro- I don't even see the point. But this week, this episode, we got Sheldon LeMay, the president of the organization Black Flugabear here here in Central Texas. We want to sit down with him and we want to discuss, you know, how Black Flugaville came about, the things that they do, and his viewpoint on the direction the city of Austin has taken recently. So uh, sit back, relax. And enjoy the show, everybody. It's just different. There's a revolution. Tune in to the Revolution Digital Group, a digital platform where you can get ebooks, podcasts, video content, and much more. Get books from authors such as International O. Also, tune in to podcasts such as Giving Game Podcast, Critical Hustle, 615 Worldwide, Drink Partners, Those Damn Comic Book Guys. Fresh Prince of ATX and Fuck Your Opinion Podcast. Go to rdgpod.com. The Revolution. 
Welcome back, everybody. This is Steve Still Rocking with Fresh, and this is still FPATX Live. As said before earlier in the show, I have a special guest in the house. I have Sheldon LeMay, uh, the president, right? Yes. President of Black Pflugerville. Um, Mr. Sheldon, tell everybody, for those that are unfamiliar, exactly what Black Pflugerville is. Well, Black Fluville is an organization that we formed about like six, seven months ago. Friends, a few friends of mine, we got together. We said um, we need to do something in Fluville because Austin has a well, basically because a lot of, we saw a lot of our people moving out to Fluville, right? And we saw the demographics changing in Fluville, so we we said that it's, it's a time and need to plant our flag in Fluville and be able to highlight and spotlight what's going on in Pflugerville for black people. Cause we got a lot of black businesses that have migrated up there uh, in Pflugerville because you know, the gentrification on the east side of Austin and plus you know, the cost of living of, of Austin has gone up, skyrocketed pretty much. And so a lot of our people have moved out to Pflugerville and it's about time we're trying to, be in, we're trying to bring cultural awareness about uh, of that we are there and, and let the city know that we're there and we're here to stay. I mean, that's the best way you can put it. Um, I do know Austin, I believe Austin is like the number one, the only major city with a dwindling African-American population, that, which I, before I before I didn't know that, but once I found out, it wasn't hard to believe, but it also was kind of surprising at the same time, because like, wow, we're the only major city in the country out of 50 states and all the cities in the country, all the other cities in the country, we're the only ones that have a dwindling African-American population within the city with everybody moving to suburban areas like a Pflugerville, Round Rock, Cedar Park, or Elgin, or Maynard. Actually, you're right about that because uh, actually I participated in the actual UT study by Dr. Eric Eric Tang about uh, how Austin was the fastest growing city in the country, right. losing African-American at a fast rate. I participated in this study, and actually um, he came up with the conclusion, reason why, you know, there were three major reasons why African Americans were leaving uh, were leaving Austin was because of uh, property taxes, uh, also un un unwelcoming unwelcoming welcoming environment to African Americans, right. and also uh, different things issued with APD, Austin Police Department. And Definitely so, believe that one. And then also, they have been forcing us pretty much to the northeastern. Travis County areas like Pflugerville, Maynard, and also Hutto, pretty much uh, where most of our African Americans are living right now. Okay, um, so you said that you started Black Pflugerville about six months ago, and yes. that you all were really trying to like just plant your flag and let the city of Pflugerville know that you know that y'all were there and bring cultural awareness. How are you all going about that? Oh, uh, basically, what we're trying to do, we're trying to get people active by being being active in the community, first of all, being active in like the city council meetings, mm -hmm. being active in the school board meetings, and also trying to uh, come up with different ideas and events that could highlight our our presence in Flukeville. Like we got we got several activities that are events that we are planning right now. What one thing we have launched already is the cartoon serial event where we bring uh, families in and we invite them in to uh, have their kids there for a event where they they learn about different uh, superheroes of color, right, and a positive influence. Let so they can let them know that growing up is nothing wrong about being black, and also know that there are positive images out there 
uh, for them to learn from and everything. So uh, we also got, uh, we had adopted the Color Edition Cemetery out there in Pflugerville. So each month we got different organizations that we are partnering with that take care of the cemetery out there in the historic Color Edition in Pflugerville. Uh, and so we also are partnering with the city too as well. Like I said, uh, we're trying to do different things within the city of Pflugerville. Okay, okay. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So let me see how I want to phrase this. Before the show, you said you were born and raised here in Austin. Yes, I was. I am. So were you active socially within Austin before moving oh, yes, to Pflugerville yes. and starting Black Yes, uh, Austin is my, is my home and my city. Now I call it, I would never actually leave the city but the reason why i left austin was because the cost of living and everything uh austin is a great city but it's just that some things in austin that need to be changed and it's like 20 years ago there was some policies put in place that that we didn't have no control of right that has forced the migration of, of black people out of austin and number th- is a is only two things you can do if you got the economic power to fight that come back to combat that uh justification effect or it's very hard like i said it's very hard to f- fight that uh, if you ain't got enough uh, economic base and everything so austin is a good city like i said and uh, but it was some things that have happened in austin in this past that that have caused us to leave the city and and but we can always try to come back but flukeville right now it's the place to be right now for our people. And we're trying to, uh, like I said, trying to expand and try to grow, maybe grow like a, a black Wall Street out there in Flukeville if we can. That'd be great. And uh, <clears throat> I'll definitely be checking out more of Flukeville since I'm technically out there in Flukeville. Yeah, you still, you're in Flukeville. Wells Brantz, so you're, yeah. right, you're right on the other side of I-35 of Flukeville. So yeah. you just a hop, skip, and a jump from there. So with everything you just said, the policies put in place, about 20 years ago, which really have led to yeah, the justification. Yeah, the city council was pretty much was taking care of west side Austin needs, mm-hmm. interests and everything. They didn't care about the east side, put it plain and simple. They didn't care about the people living on the east side because they, they, they knew that a lot of people were moving here, young, white, educated people were moving into Austin. They wanted to be closer to downtown, the 6th Street area, all that area right there. And so they pretty much decided to go ahead and raise <laughs> raise the property tax down there and get those people of color out of there even the latinos are facing yeah, yeah. facing the same problems that we're doing uh, as the black people are in, in, in austin and so it's, it's just that it's you know, I, I run to a lot of people i've gone to school with or have moved completely out of austin because of the unwelcome environment and also have moved like the dallas or houston area but i decided not to leave i started to stay here and try to be here like my boy my man fresh right here and and not give up on this city yeah i mean basically basically i I tell a lot of people all the time and i really i could leave and and move to dallas or move to move to houston or move to san antonio but i I can't leave without at least trying to do something to make a difference within the city i can't leave Mm -hmm. knowing that i didn't do anything or not do enough so was you saying that the city council basically was taking care of West Austin, do you still feel like the city really doesn't care about the rest of the citizens, the working class citizens in the city? Because from my viewpoint and the way that I look at it, I, I always say that it seems like Austin is so caught up in trying to sell this image to everybody that's moving here that they literally forgot about 
the people who have lived here their entire life and are still taxpaying citizens and are still of the working class. And it's just like, well, forget them. They don't matter anymore. We worried about these people that's coming in yeah. for this tech boom. Yeah. We worried about all of these people that's just graduating from UT and Texas State. They got to have somewhere to stay when they get a job. And everybody else that's been here, they don't matter. We just got to get them out and make room for everybody that's moving in. And that's just how I see it and how I feel. Well, I see the, I see the same thing that you you see uh, first. Uh, I still think it's, it's, there's a lot of work that needs to be done in Austin. And pretty much the city council I feel they went to this 10 member district too late. Right. Because what it is is that if they had a 10 member district back 20 years ago, mm-hmm. a lot of stuff wouldn't have, have happened that's going on right now. Was with, well, a lot of stuff that happened in the past wouldn't be relevant today. Right. Uh, because if you had actually city councilmen that actually lived in a district, so that means that the people on the east side would have been represented on that on that city council right. back 20, 25 years ago. But that didn't happen because the uh, because the way the system was pretty much corrupt. <laughs> pretty much, the, I put it plain, plain where the ghosts get. It was a corrupt I mean, system in Austin. Is, call a spade a spade. Yeah. So, um, like, I have a I have a theory. Well, not so much a theory. It's just um, the way that I kind of view it. Now, gentrification is going on in Austin, and I kind of look at it like, Maybe if, maybe if blacks and Latinos knew how much, how valuable East Austin was, maybe we would have fought it just a little bit harder to keep it. Because I, I, I kind of have the theory that we didn't really know what we had and we kind of took it for granted. We didn't really realize that someday people are going to want to live here because it's mm-hmm. like you said, it's close to UT, yeah. it's close to downtown, it's right across the bridge. You can walk across uh, 11th Street and 12th Street and be yeah, right, right downtown and go to 6th Street right. and, and do all that. And if you are a UT student, you can live there and you can literally walk to class or catch a bus and go be right there on campus. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like blacks didn't, we really didn't understand what we have with the real estate that we had. Well, it's just like it says in the Bible, you know, lack of knowledge, lack of knowledge uh does hurt a people mm-hmm. and uh like you're saying uh a lot of our people didn't know what what kind of well they just didn't know the actual value or tradition that we had in east austin we took that for granted you know a lot of our a lot of our uh grandparents passed away and we didn't value what they accumulated what they had and everything we took that for granted and we pretty much sold out to uh, for a paycheck, but only thing is that the city knew what they were doing, right? And pretty much tripled the value of that property that they sold, yeah. And making a killing off that land, yeah. Because I see some, I see some listings at some ridiculous. I seen like, oh a yeah, I seen houses on the east side right now listed at four hundred thousand. I saw one that for like two million dollars, and I was oh. like, nah, bro, not not on this street. <laughs> I like, I grew up on on the other block away from this street, not on this street, not. Oh. Too, not two million dollars, man. Like that just was ridiculous. And, and, and guess what? And that two million dollars, it probably was. It probably was that big of a. It probably was big as a. Uh, uh, probably like a. I say like a. Well, probably like a. Two hundred two hundred thousand square foot house. It, or something pr- like it that. probably was because I was I, I, like my. Gr- I grew up in mm-hmm. East Austin. My grandmother lived right off of lived right off of Pennsylvania. Okay. And when she got it got to the point where she wanted to sell her house, and like she didn't get anywhere near what some of the 
some of the houses were going for that were already put up around yeah. her. It was houses across the street from her going for like 200, 300,000. And she got nowhere near that. And I'm just like, yeah, clearly the city already had a plan for this area and they knew what oh, they yeah. want. They knew what they wanted to do and how they wanted to go about it. Pretty much it's like they the city always plans way in advance. Right. They they look at uh they look 20, 30, 40 years in the future mm -hmm. uh, for city planning. And so they already knew what they wanted to do and everything. Like I said, the, we're, we're suffering from the policy that happened 20, 20, 30 years ago that was voted by the city council. You can't blame the city council that's sitting on the board right, right, right now, now because they didn't have no part of that. It's the whole policies that were passed down from the uh, prior city councils, like I said, 20, 30 years ago. And also I, I heard the statistics not too long ago that Austin, well, gentrification is happening in every major city. right? But gentrification <clears throat> has happened at a faster rate in Austin than any other city in in America. So that means something right there that yeah. that, that they really wanted to force the lower lower income working class people out of Austin. They wanted it to be a a a city where young, college educated, uh, high tech people would love to come visit the city because we got a lot of people that are moving from California because yeah. the cost of living even though Austin is very expensive California it's not way, California <laughs> it's not California expensive you know and a lot of people moving from up north too as well because yeah. they're trying to get away from the cold weather and stuff so Austin is a, is a big landing spot for people of the of, 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 of that uh, those areas that I mentioned and everything so yeah so with so with running Black Flugerville, do you see a lot more involvement from the black people, the black people in the black community in Flugerville than you would say here in Austin, than you would say in the city of Austin? Uh, right now, we're since we're just a a new organization the past six months, uh, we have seen some some people that have actually reached out to us, mm -hmm. you know, in different organizations, different businesses, and all that kind of stuff. Because we have what we're trying to do is form like a coalition. And, or black businesses in, uh, in Flugerville. We're trying to reach out to let them know that we're there and we're there to help. Because uh, it, it's like, it takes a, like I said, it takes a village to raise a child. Right. So if we can be that the incubator of, of, of helping expose different businesses, different events and all that kind of stuff, we, we're trying, actually we're trying to even do like, maybe have a Juneteenth parade and uh and Flukeville, uh have like a family reunion event in Flukeville. Mm -hmm. Uh We're trying. We're thinking about having uh, like have a Black History uh, Month celebration. Like we have like uh, like maybe bring like a stage play. Like uh, actually, we was contacted by like by having a stage play called by Jack Johnson, the the first uh, heavyweight, Afri the first American. African American. Heavyweight boxing champion in the world. That'd be cool, right there, uh, man. We think about having that, hosting that in February of next year, and we got a lot of things on our plate that we're trying to do. But all we just need to do is get people to actually to volunteer, help us with this effort. Because, like I said, we're trying to prevent what happened in Austin happened in Flukeville. Right. We're trying to make sure that if we're there, we need to be able to have a voice at the table. And 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 big decisions that's happening in Flugerville because they predict in Flugerville in the next fifty years to have like over two hundred fifty thousand people living there, and so that if that's two hundred fifty thousand people living in Flugerville, guess how many people gonna be living in Austin and, and every other right. uh, suburb around here? So <laughs> that's the major growth when you think about. It. So if we don't do something now, uh, it's gonna be 
we're gonna be have a long up here climb for black people in the central Texas area. Understandable. So, what would be some things that you, I guess, you would prescribe for the city of Austin to, I guess, show that it cares about its African American and, and as well as its Latino and his Hispanic populations to show them that they care. Like we, we are trying to do things to accommodate you all that choose to still live and work here. And Austin, okay, I, I think they should. First of all, they should reach out to. Uh, different organizations that are doing something like grassroots. I'm talking about grassroots organizations yeah. that are doing actually doing the footwork. You know, because Austin have had a lot of people that have been, well, I put it like this, a lot of people of our color that have been in control of different things, but they've been gatekeepers right. pretty much. They have been the type of people that say one thing and do something else. So that's why they need to reach out to different organizations like Austin Justice Coalition, uh, the Austin LOC organization, where I'm also part of. Uh, different like Capital View Arts. That's the organization that's, that's formed. They're doing stuff in the community. Yeah, I know got, Capital View Arts. I know they, Capital View Arts. Yeah, uh, yeah, Clifford, Clifford Gill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Victory Grill. Uh, we still got the Victory Grill. We still got a lot of different. We got still got a lot of tradition down on 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 East Side, uh, and the city just needs to have maybe actually bring other people from different cities like right. Atlanta or or. Dallas, Houston, that had, or even like the Soto, Texas, they have right. a, a, a actually a model that uh, that we're trying to follow in Pflugerville, but also Austin can glean from some of the suggestions they have about how to track African Americans. What they need to do, probably get with the Austin the Austin Visitor, uh, the Tourist Bureau, where Austin Tourist Bureau. Yeah, they yeah. need to actually put black people in the different uh, magazines, advertisements, and stuff, stuff, stuff like that. The Chamber of Commerce, the Black Af- African American Chamber of Commerce, Commerce. Office, uh, Commerce need to do, they need to step their game up to as well. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not trying to knock them. They're doing the best they can, but, but it's a lot of work they can do about trying to get more exposure to black business in Austin. You know, they're getting city money. You know, right, the, city right. of money, the city of Boston is giving them money each and every year, so they need to be able to use that money in the right way and try and bring, attract businesses here to Austin, more black-owned businesses here in Austin, right, and all right. that kind of stuff. Okay, I mean, I kind of feel the same way. I'm not really, I mean, as like you said, with the African American um, Chamber of Commerce, if you're getting the if you're getting the money from the city, you should be able to put that to use yeah. to attract or at least highlight the yeah. black businesses that are already here to, to like you said make it feel make african americans feel welcome to yeah. that hey you are welcome here and you know we you're just as loving just as important as everybody else in this city because you help make the city what it is because right now i think the population of austin and black people i think is like six percent right now yeah i think the last time i saw it was eight. Oh yeah i think so. the last time i figured i saw it was like six seven percent it may be still eight but 30 years ago, it was like 15%. But, so that's a major, like half. But you got to think about what caused that that migration of right. people leaving Austin. You know, like I said, three things. Cost of living, better, better schools. They feel like AISD is not, it's up to, up to date or uh, the educational standards and AISD, AISD has dropped since the time. I went to school. Which is every- <laughs> which is funny because I read an article that said AISD was ranked third in the nation among school districts. 
Yeah, that's the same face I made. That's the uh, and, they, and like uh, I don't, I don't and it's know. a huge. They got a huge billboard on <laughs> on airport, like right by Highland Mall, that says like I, I, nationally ranked third in the nation. And I was like, yeah, no, nah. I was like, I ain't been out of high school that long ago. Mm-hmm. And I was like, eh, third in the nation. I kind of find that a little a little iffy, man. I don't know, I don't know what y'all had to do to do that, but I don't believe third in the nation. And also better relationships with the police department, APD, because I mean, we had some uh, a couple of high profile. Uh, police shootings of African Americans unarmed in the past couple of years. Larry Jackson mentioned one name, mm-hmm. and uh, David Joseph another name. Right, you know that that need, that needs to be addressed. You know because you know uh, cops do have their actual bias that they do have against African Americans. That's been proven uh, nationwide, and so they need to be a be able to build trust in the black community and but you know we got to do our part too as well uh, being respectful and everything to the police department every time i mean uh, a police officer anytime we're stopping it but it's still that it's a lot of work that both sides can do so let's talk about that because police brutality scene is like a hotbed yeah topic right now across the country actually you know that flukerville actually it was like an article that came out a few months ago that uh, that Flukeville had a high rate of racial profiling too, as well, stopping African American drivers in Flukeville. But they have worked diligently, diligently to to change that uh, to change that uh, that that perception with the community by trying to hire more African American cops, mm-hmm. police officers, and also having actually having town hall meetings and talking to the different members, I mean different uh, people in the community about what they, they what they they can do to improve the relationship between the community and the police department. But go ahead. So, um, I forgot. Uh, well, let me just ask. You, talk so, about, you were talking about the police uh, brutality across the community. Yeah. So that the seems to be a hotbed topic, like, nationwide. Yeah. So as it pertains to just Austin or in the metropolitan area, do you really feel that it's, a topic that really needs to be discussed because like you mentioned we had Larry Jackson and we had we just had David Joseph like a year mm-hmm. ago yeah and ago. then before even before then you, you still had like the Nathan Sanders yep. and the Byron yeah. Carters and you know so many others mm-hmm. that have been that have died at the hands of a police officer so do you feel like Austin is one of the cities that I don't want to say it needs to be profiled but is where people really need to speak up about the the treatment of citizens by the police. Oh yes, most definitely. I, I believe that because only way for a city to actually uh, do the best it can, it, it needs to be able to actually take a look, as to take a look in the mirror and see what could, what can they do to make change. And like I said, Austin does have this problem, just like any other city, major city has of uh, racial uh, racial racial injustice and everything. So, you know, cause like, I know a study came out probably like last, I read a study in the Austin American Statesman that the African Americans were still, have been racially profiled, but stopped more than actually white people mm-hmm. in the city of Austin or and Latinos and Asians at, at a higher percentage rate. So, and that, that, makes, that makes no sense when the FBI data actually clearly states that actually white people commit more crime than black people, so <laughs> you up, so y'all up there 
stereo you have y'all have y'all stereotypes in your mind y'all stepping black people more when y'all should actually be looking at your own people more. Right. and i think i saw that same study because i think maybe i think two weeks ago is yeah. when they had the uh the whole the texas legislator had the whole meeting with uh the dps and other law enforcement mm. agencies in the country and i think the head of dps said that his department they they're heavily against racial profiling, so that couldn't possibly be going mm-hmm. on in the DPS. And I was just like, just because you say it doesn't going on, it's not going on, doesn't mean that it's not going on. You can yeah. say that y'all frown upon it, but mm-hmm. the numbers clearly say that y'all are racial. Like you just said, like y'all are clearly racial profiling people. Yeah, when, they, when they, your police officers, your officers are out on patrol. Yeah, they are actually they are looking at the wrong actually looking at the wrong people. Because like I said, uh, the 2015 FBI data came out that actually proves. Uh, the number of arrests that have been, have happened in, in the, uh, nationwide, and the percentage of different people, uh, different uh, ethnic groups that commit those different crimes. So, you know, like you said about the DPS and everything, is that they are cops have do have their racial bias and everything because you got to think about back in the day, probably when I, when our parents were growing up or grandparents. Actually, the police officers lived in their actual community right. that, they, that they grew up in. Mm-hmm. But now we got police officers that are not, not from our community that are patrolling our community. Right. That's the problem right there. We need to have officers or even us as a community, we need to step our, our game up as doing community policing. You know, because like I said, we need, if uh, we're only as strong as our weakest link. Right. So if we as people, actually do our own community policing, then we don't have to call the cops to do different things in our own neighborhood and all that kind of stuff. If we take care of our home first, then we have to, like, we have to bring outsiders in. But also cops, we, if we can hire cops that are actually from our own community, that will help too as well, you know? I mean, it'll be it'll bring trust because you know, you know, you right. know the cop that's, that's stopping you or you say, hey, that's, that's, that's Officer Thompson, right, and, and he's a friend of mine. And that's one thing that I always say is that you have officers. Of course, you're gonna have an officer that's scared when they're not from that neighborhood. Right. They don't know the people in that neighborhood or the mind state of the people right. in that neighborhood. Versus, like you said, have somebody that's from that that the neighborhood. Like I know Officer Thompson. You know, he grew up with my brother. Man, they went to the same school, so right. you know, I know him. He know me. He know the family. So, and that's one thing I. I with this whole national discussion, I hear a lot of people saying that we should be at least put more in, um, not a, I was gonna say initiation, more attention on policing ourselves. Like you said, let's get neighborhood watches. Let's yeah. let's look out for our own. And that way, if we're looking out for our own, the police won't be so quick to come in with guns oh. already drawn and guns are blazing. And maybe we can cut down on the killings. Yeah. The, the unnecessary uh, killings. Because actually, I, I'm with this other organization called Austin LLC. I'm going to put this plug out there. Go ahead. Uh, plug I, away, man. Plug <laughs> away. Uh, I meet with the Austin LLC uh, every week. Uh, what we basically is, we are a, uh, we are actually a continuation effort of the ten, uh, of the actual uh, Million Man March that okay. happened uh, last year, 10 10 10, 10 15 where we went to Washington, D.C. and everything. Uh, well, actually, we have formed a 10,000 10, fearless men and women uh, conflict resolution uh, okay. team. What that means, what that basically is, is actually what we do. We, we got a local number that we, people can call that are having conflicts in the community. In the community, they can call this number, then we'll send a conflict resolution team out there to settle the beef between each other for any violence that's 
uh, happens. Right. So that pretty much is community policing right there. If we can go in our own community and say, hey, man, what you're doing is wrong and everything. How can we resolve this conflict between, uh, say, Tyrone and and uh, little Stevie, whatever, and say, yeah, y'all can come together. If we can, we can resolve that conflict, then y'all won't go. Y'all won't go to blows or no violence, no gun violence, or anything like that. And it's less jail time for you, brothers. Yes, it's less jail time. Don't have to worry about no cops coming there trying to shoot up people now. That kind of stuff. Right. <laughs> well, uh, Mr. Sheldon, this was a great discussion, and I'm glad that you were able to and available to come through and sit down and have this discussion with me about about Black Flugerville and just the city of Austin in general. Mm-hmm. So um, let everybody know where they can find you at and where they can get more information on Austin LOC and Black Flugerville. Okay, well, all you got to do to find out more about Black Flugerville, you can like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And also we got a website called uh, Black uh, BlackFlugerville.com. You can reach, at, reach us there, BlackFlugerville.com. And like I said, we're all on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, also, Austin LOC, while I was talking about the the 10k fearless uh, actually we have an event on the 23rd october 23rd where we're gonna have an actual launch party at givens park at on the 23rd which is a sunday uh from three to six where we're gonna actually launch the squash the beef hotline and conflict resolution in the community so people know that they got somewhere they, they can they got some people that, that are working in the community that can call this number they're gonna come out and squash the beef with any kind of stuff that's happening and like i said black flugerville we're here we're here to stay we Playing our flag in Flugerville, we're gonna make things happen in Flugerville. We're gonna try to do things that uplift our people and make sure that everything's done right there, so we have a seat at the table. All right, great man. Once again, I appreciate you coming through, and everybody, this has been FPATX Live. We out. <laughs>